you know, kudos to you for that, man, because, you know, I know about this work. Um, you are one of the inspirations for Everyone Loves a Good Story. I, I knew that my, my daughter, this started for me because my daughter, uh, who is who works in um, advertising, she's a buyer. Um, we were just talking about something, you know, personal for her. And I think I had just finished reading X-Men, Jonathan Hickman's X-Men number four. And there was some kind of interaction between Wolverine and Beast in there, whatever. And I used it as a metaphor to get through to her. And she realized, she was like, you've been doing that my whole life. Like you've been, <laughs> you've been using comic book stories to, you know, and I realized she's right. Like I've been using comic book stories to relate to my kids and to life. There was an idea to bring a family together, to see if they could become something more, to see if they could build a brand thinking of all things Marvel that no one else could. This is Everyone Loves a Good Story. Marvel, the MCU, and me. I am Mint God. You are my guest. Welcome. If you like our content, you can share. Press the like button and subscribe with the bell. You can also join the conversation in the comments. But thou shalt be respectful. This is a mature but family-oriented channel. I'm always watching. But unlike Watu, I will interfere. Get it? Got it. Good story. Gather round, true believers, that's if you're still living. Welcome to another episode of Everyone Loves a Good Story. This is Mid God, and today we have a face rarely shown, but a name that's internationally known. The self-proclaimed scooper, but I consider him an inspiration and so much more. You gotta love him or you gotta leave him alone. Comic book news editor, Charlie Murphy, also creator of murphysmultiverse.com. Welcome, Charles. How you doing this morning? Good morning, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for being here. Um, it's been a long time coming, and um, you know, I'm just so happy to have you here, bro, because you are, what I, I, I try to tell you all the time, we're Twitter friends, you are definitely the one. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Some, the, our community is so, so crazy, you know what I mean? That it's, it's hard to find somebody that really knows this stuff, but also can keep their sanity, so. <laughs> <laughs> the second part is hard. <laughs> <laughs> the second part, especially in the news drought, you know, a pandemic drought, I should say. Uh, let's start it off. I wanted to interview you because you are, what I would consider the comic book news Walter Conkright. You know wow. what I mean? Like, I mean, really, honestly, I'm not I'm not trying to like placate or whatever. And you know, anybody that wants to talk to me about it, I can I can definitely, you know, hold my own in a debate. But I've loved comic books for so long. And when the movie started coming out. I understood what they were doing and what they weren't doing. I, so I didn't agree with everything, mm -hmm. but finding a voice that could translate, predict along with me and explain behind the scenes things in a, with integrity, 
was very, very hard to find. And when I found, when I found um, the few that I respect, out of them, there was something about you that stood out. And from that point on, it was like, yo, I gotta get to know, I gotta get to know this guy. I gotta, like, if I'm gonna be, um, you know, doing this thing with my kids, I, I got to get to know Charles Murphy. And, you know, from that point on, it was just, you know, what's up, Charles, man? You, you know, I'm riding with you, bro. Whatever you need, man, let's do it. Well, you, you mentioned the the drought and try, trying to stay sane through the drought. That is the, that has been the hardest thing for, for me and for, uh, you know, for my partner, Charles, because um, we're just so used to this nonstop game, right? Like that's how this has rolled for five, six years now. Cause there was that, that little time where Marvel was maybe putting out one or two films a year, but ever since it's really kicked into high gear, it's been like nonstop news cycle. Right. And this feels like an eternity with nothing going on. Yeah, it's a vacuum. So for the people on my side of things, um, you know, Let's get into it, man. Who is Charles Murphy, man? Where did you come from, literally? And <laughs> as far as you know, where, who is Charles Murphy? I don't know. I just like I just think I'm just a guy that that got lucky. Um, you know, I grew up loving comic books. I, I was born just northeast of Detroit and, and lived down there my whole life. And I kind of uh, you know went to college and and moved up north and started teaching. And it's just been. This getting to be able to do all this stuff has been so so awesome and so fun for me. But I think I just got—I always say this—I just think I just got really lucky. I made I met some good people and made some good connections and have kind of fallen into this. But really, I'm just a guy who loves comic books. You know, I grew up loving comic books, loving Star Wars. You know, just loving all those things that when I was a kid weren't cool. I'm, you know, we talked about this the other day, but I'm 43. Um, they they weren't cool. They weren't in, but I I loved them and I stuck with them. And here I am doing this now. And this is you know even though I'm still an educator and I I love doing that and I love you know getting into the classroom with kids and watching them learn. I think this is this is my passion. And when I decided, I guess it was like seven years ago now to start trying to move online and do something with it. Um, I just I just know my life got a lot. I felt a lot more fulfilled. I felt a lot happier. Um, with everything. Everything just seemed to, to be a lot better once I was able to start having an outlet for all this stuff. Right. So it's like uh, you found your purpose almost, you would say? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, and, I, and to be honest with you, even like as I, as I had an outlet for this side of my life, I would, I would say that there is, I became a better educator as well because I felt like I was, you know, I, I was getting some stuff out over here doing this and it allowed me to, to have a focus and a purpose outside of school. And then it helped me as an educator to be more focused and, and, and driven in the classroom as well somehow. Like I think it just kind of clarified my mind and, and helped me helped me find find a path. And it was uh, you know a little bit late in life, but so what, right? Like I, I'm right. doing things now that I that I enjoy and, and I think I'm probably the in the best place I've been. That's amazing, man. Tell me about your, your your parents, your grandparents. What what did what did your parents do for a living? Uh, my my dad uh, was a police officer. Uh, my mom worked for AT and T for forever. I mean, my dad was a police officer for nearly thirty years. Wow. My mom worked for AT and T right out of high school. They put her through college, and it was actually a, it was called Michigan Bell at the time, and then it was Ameritech, and then it was AT and T. Um, and so we grew, I grew up, I was an only child and just grew up uh, 
in a really cool neighborhood. Um, had a had a great school that I went to as a kid. I had all kinds of experiences, and it was introduced to all kinds of things. And so, um, pretty a pretty normal, pretty laid back childhood. Just um, Americana. Yeah, I mean, I there was a park up the up the street from our house, and. When we were kids, we'd ride our bikes up to the park. We'd take our baseball bag. We'd take a basketball. We'd take a football. We'd stay up there from mm. from sun up till sundown and, and hang out and play ball and do stuff all day. And so, I don't I don't think there was anything too too exciting about my childhood. But uh, you know, I did uh, one of the one of the things that I do fondly remember. One of the things that is probably why I am where I am now, doing the stuff I'm doing. Um, I had a little allowance that my dad gave me if I did all the chores around the house that I was supposed to do. Right. And there was a, a, a corner drugstore that was maybe like a five minute bike ride away. And I could mm -hmm. go in and buy my comic books for 75 cents. And as soon as I got my allowance, that's where I pedaled my butt up and bought my comics. <laughs> nice. Your grandparents, what, what, what were they like? Uh, I think I remember you saying that you were kind of close with your grandma. Um, what, what was that like? Yeah, so my 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 dad's uh, mom was a single mother, and okay. so she she was always around when I was young, and especially when I was really little in the summer, she was over at the house with me all day, all the time. And so yeah, we I was very very close with her, um, and she passed away, I guess about fifteen you know about fifteen years ago, um, and that was that was really tough on our family because she was. Um, you know, the, the center of, of everything my dad and I did. We, we structured our day. She couldn't drive, so we had structured our day around making sure we could get her where she needed to go and do what she needed to do. Um, and that was that was a tough one. Um, and then on my mom's side, my my grandma actually passed away when I was five. Um, and my, my grandpa, who was a, a World War II vet, he lived damn near forever. He lived 95 years old. Um, and he was he was a big influence on our life as far as um, discipline and the importance of education. So I know when, when we would get out of school, he would uh, my cousins and I would go over to the house and we walk in the house and he would say, all right, sit down at the table, kitchen table. Um, you're going to tell me three things you learned at school today. Okay? <laughs> so we had, you know, we, and he wasn't messing around. Like if we didn't right. tell him, if he didn't, if we didn't tell him three things we learned at school, the rest of the day didn't get to go on until we could tell him three things we learned at school. Right. Uh, now we had to sit down and do our homework and we had to complete it and he had to check it over and then we were allowed to go outside and play. Wow. So do you think that uh, like out of them, who do you think influenced you to go on the path that you, you're on right now as far as whether it's the comic books or the, uh, the education? Wow. That, you know, I think I, I, I made such a I think how I want to word this. I stepped so far outside of what everybody else in my family does and did. Right. Um, I, nobody else was is an educator. We have my grandpa was like I said, World War II vet, and then he came home and served as the Detroit police officer. My dad, my uncle, my cousin are all either retired police officer, police officers. So I guess there's a, a lot of the idea of like being a public servant in there, which mm -hmm. is not much different than being you know, it's what an educator is. Right. Um, but my mom's my mom's an educator, so I, yep. I know all too well. <laughs> so it, and it is, but and I guess there is that sense of it. Um, but I think even when I was going in, when I when I went to school, I was going to school to be a veterinarian. Um, wow. and, and when I when I switched to education, there were, there was some conflict at home with my mom and dad, especially with my mom. 
um, who who felt like it wasn't maybe the best thing I could be doing, and I just felt, you know, I, I felt drawn to it and pulled to it, and here I am, you know, going into almost 25 years. So amazing, Steph. That's thank you, man, for your service. Definitely, you are one of the heroes, uh, you know, for our kids, and I know how hard it is to, you know, for a teacher's life. So uh, I definitely, it's definitely commendable, and. I, I hope that it passes down to your kids too, you know, that they see the sacrifices that you've made to uplift your community. Yeah, that's that's a thing that um, I think especially now, I think more than ever, people who are in education are, are getting a little bit more uh, of a look at what it really does, you know, what we really do and what it really does for a community. So like in our community, even though schools were shut down, we kept serving three meals a day to our kids. We kept providing social work and, and uh, psychiatric work for our kids, mm -hmm. right? And I think people sometimes think that the school is just a place where the kids go open some books and close some books. And I don't know that they always get how essential uh, those public schools are to the community in general and what other services we provide. So I think, I think this is a good time for people to see that and, and appreciate that. Yes, yeah. Moving forward. How did you get into comics? Like, like, what? When did you know? Oh, this, this is, this is it. This is. I, I love this. You know, what? What was there a magic moment? Was there a specific comic book um, for you? I don't know if I can <clears throat> dial it back to a specific book, but I know it was Claremont's X Men run. Okay. That that finally snagged me and like pulled me in and and I don't think I ever made it back out after that. Um, <laughs> I just you know I, I would say I was probably ten, maybe twelve years old, and like I said that had that little drugstore on the corner where we would ride and and um, you know I, if I go through my old comics I have you know a Spider-Man comic here, a Daredevil comic there. Um, right. I, I do have a lot of Justice League stuff, but you know and and, and it seems like what I bought every time, every month that it came out for probably about three years was X-Men. Mm -hmm. And so, so that what, was it. What was it? What was it about the, the comic books that inspired you so much? I think with the X-Men, it was just, you know, like everyone knows who Superman is. Superman has Superman powers, right? And, and, and like, not to say that Superman's powers suck, but I think, <laughs> I think the thing that snagged me with the X-Men was like, there, there's just like this diverse cast of people with this diverse set of powers and they're all so unique and so cool and as a as a kid you know like i can as a kid my favorite was colossus i just thought is so cool like he can just turn his skin into into metal that's just the coolest thing you know in your 10 year old mind mm -hmm. um and and then i got you know that that run and those characters are are still stuck with me and just how amazing they are so i think like colossus and storm and wolverine um and kitty pride and at some point i remember really really thinking rogue was super cool i never got into to gambit much but i always thought rogue was the coolest um and i think it was just that like just that crazy set of powers and i think i i think i always liked um a couple of things that stuck out to me with X-Men even as a kid. I always liked that they had those crazy outer space stories sprinkled in everywhere. Right. Um, and I always liked the science aspect of it. And so like, I guess, you know, looking at when I'm a science teacher kind of makes sense, but I always <laughs> like that. I always liked that idea that this was something 
in their DNA that activated at a certain time. It just was, it was really cool. And, and it just really, it just grabbed my attention. Like I said, it, I, I never let go. And I still, <clears throat> you know, there was a time where I got busy with uh, my kids and all that stuff. And I, I didn't read comics for a while. And then I jumped back into it. And I, right now, loving the X-Men titles again. And, and during quarantine, I, I read, I actually caught up on Marvel Unlimited on all the X-Men stuff I missed. Nice. <laughs> so, like, so like 10 years worth of comics, I read them all. So it, it's, you, you are in a beautiful place right now. I know exactly yeah. where you're at, bro. So yeah, that's what's up. So who was your biggest influence in, in these passions? So it wasn't your grandparents, it wasn't your parents. You kind of went your own way. So how did you, like, what was the influence? Was there somebody that it was that you, you know how we all have that inspiration or somebody outside of ourselves that we, we you know, re can relate to or that shows us that it's possible? Was there somebody like that for you? Yeah, I had a, I had an older cousin, three years older than me. Um, and thinking back to that time, that was the, that was the person that I would share all those comics with and share the experiences with. And I could, mm -hmm. I can think of us sitting down um, sit in the basement of my mom's house and mom and dad's house and we had a box, you know, boxes of comics we'd sit down there and read and we had our G.I. Joes that we'd sit down there and play with. And so I think that that whole corner of, of that part of my life was shared with him. And even as we got older, um, he's, you know, he's got collectibles and, and all these things that, you know, we have all those things in common and we don't <laughs> see each other at all anymore. It's been years, but, you know, that was that was definitely the person that I shared all those experiences with as a kid. Okay, so uh, what was it like? Was it, um, it was more of a, like you guys were the same age? Or was yeah, it just, like the older? just a few years older than me. Okay, okay, cool. You're, you are a writer. You are a editor for your own, well, well you've been a, an editor for other um, websites, but you know what, let me dial it back. So you go, um, you're in high school. You're yep. still, you're still, um, you're still in the comics from ten years old. Was there ever a time where your interest in comic books dipped or faded away, and you had to come back to it, or were you just always a steady comic book head? I think there were some times where I didn't read as much. Like, and I, I think I've talked to this on Twitter before. When I don't even know when it was in my head, but whenever the Age of Apocalypse books came out, came out. I couldn't read them. I could never get into them. I think the art was distracting. Um, I never, I never quite got into it. But even when I wasn't picking them up all the time, I would buy, you know, trade backs and find or an omnibus and find and try to catch up. And I would say the only time I really just flat out quit reading was when my kids were were just born and young and, and were and, you know just so busy and so much stuff going on. Um, that I don't think I don't think I read for probably about ten years. Okay, so what was the what got you back into it? What story? Uh, actually, I think the first thing I read when I start when I came back and started reading again, I'm almost certain the first thing I read was Christopher Priest Black Panther when I came back and started reading again. Wow, uh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that. That's amazing. And, okay. and Priest is one of the most like consistent writers out there, right? Like you, you mm -hmm. don't get, you know, you can write a, a fifty, a fifty issue run, and you don't feel like. I always feel like there's some filler, right? Like there's an issue here or there where, oh. even and sometimes they change the author, or change the, change the um, artist, the artist, so they have a break or whatever. But I just, I just felt like that run from Priest was just nonstop, awesome. 
Um, and then I think from there I, I read, I moved over and read Houston's Moon Knight, which is still like one of my favorites. It's just so visceral and violent. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> um, and then I got back into, in, and then I know after that it was Annihilation. And then I really got hooked into, okay. and it really got hooked into all the cosmic stuff. Okay. That's, a, oh, that's amazing. That's kind of an eclectic uh, bunch right there. Yeah, that's um, all over the place. Yeah, man. Mine was, I think, uh, I mean, I, I was steady and I don't remember where I fell off at, but I remember, I think it was uh, Iron Man's Extremist Story that brought me back. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely Iron Man's Extremist Story and then Civil War and then it was, oh, and then it's, it just kept going, um, but I, I agree with you about the Age of Apocalypse. I told I wasn't feeling that. It was that, and I, honestly, Jason Aaron's Thor run when that started, I totally got turned off. I was a real big Straczynski fan, mm-hmm. and then when Aaron came, I'm like, "Who is this guy? Like, what is he doing?" And it, it, Thor is not a girl. Like, I, I mean, I guess that might have been, you know, I was in my hip hop hip hop frame of mind or something. And maybe I felt some kind of way because Thor was supposed to be Thor, and, you know. But um, now I'm doubling back. I bought all those comics and I gotta catch up to those. So, so you know, it's it, it's that it's that that flight, it's that that path as a fan that makes it all worth it in the end. Especially when you collect, because then you can always go back and and you know double back and read it again, see it differently. Um, it just it does it just does something for the spirit, which moves me to the next question. Um, who, when you were a kid, who was your comic book spirit animal? Like, which one did you identify with the most? Which character did I identify the most with? Yeah. Um, I, I call I, it the spirit animal. Yeah, as a as a kid, uh, it was Hulk. Like I, I remember reading okay. that and and. Uh, just I, I just thought like man there's this like smart nerdy dude over here and sometimes he just gets all kinds of pissed off and, and and gets out of control and i you know as a kid i had to deal with um temp like a, some serious temper issues as a kid and learn and learn um and i think a part of like i, I was always i always played sports and i always had such a hard time uh accepting failure like i i, mm. I just it was not you know i didn't understand that that failure was an opportunity to learn at the time, right? Like I just felt mm-hmm. like failure was permanent and it was always gonna stick with me. I didn't understand that I could, you know, have another chance and move past it, you know? So like, you know, even though you played played baseball and even though you know you're always gonna have another baseball game, I felt like if I struck out to end the game that I had just like let down my team, let down my family and it would just linger with me for hours and sometimes even days, right? So wow. I felt like that and you know, to, to see that kind of rage build up in the Hulk and at least him be able to blow up and turn into a big green monster, which looked cool. Like I, 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 I fought with that for a long time in my life up into my adult years where I had to finally learn like how to manage my temper. Right. And as you got older, do you still identify with the Hulk or did that change? Uh, yeah, no, it definitely changed. Um, now I find myself more, more drawn into like, the 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 motives behind like or the, the i guess the deeper thinking behind how some of these characters have evolved and changed and i think the one that interests me the most 
the one that I've read the most consistently for the longest time now and tried to like kind of study what he was when he was created and what he is now as Batman. And so I'm, I'm really, wow. I really, I really love um, like the whole thing. Like the, the character that we see when we read Batman comics now is not the same guy that was created umpteen, you know, million years right. ago. And right. it, it's become such a dark and, and gloomy thing. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I really get some of the some of the ideas that that stick with Bruce. Like Bruce had this super traumatic childhood, and he's always trying to fix everybody else, you know. Right. And he's never fixed himself, and that that sticks with me because I think I think my wife would tell you the same thing that like I <laughs> I'm I'm like a fixer, right? Like if I see right. anybody else have a problem, I want to fix their problem for them, which isn't healthy mm-hmm. either. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you know, you want to help, right? And exactly. And I probably, she, she would probably tell you that I spend too much time trying to fix other people's problems and not enough time trying to, to work on myself. So I think that that's, that's what Bruce represents to me at this point, is someone who's, uh, you know, he's made such a huge difference and a huge impact, but he's still such a mess. Right. So, I mean, I can see that from you being a teacher, being a fixer. And I can see Batman because I feel like that's kind of another rage monster, but yeah. just in a different fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a connection there for sure. <laughs> there's definitely a connection. Um, thanks for that one. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some of your? Who are some of your favorite writers, artists, and books? And I'm talking everything. Like, uh, what do you read? What's What's a book that you you've read that changed your life that you've gone back to to keep getting more from? Man, for the last, I would say for the last ten years. Any, any and all reading outside of comics that I've done has almost been exclusively educational stuff. Um, as I've, I've moved, my roles kind of shifted. Um, I still do like classroom stuff, but I, I always, in the summer, I always serve, uh, the, try to serve the, the larger teaching community. And so I'll, I'll teach, um, you know, at least one, if not two, 15 day workshops in the summer. Um, and it's really about you know, the, the idea is really strengthening discourse within the classroom, um, teaching teaching kids to think and, and speak um, in an academic way that they're not used to, right? They're, it's a little bit different than talking to your friends. So when somebody says something you don't agree with, you can't say, man, that's stupid. You know, mm-hmm. you can't you can't scream it out in the classroom. It, it, you may not agree with it, you know? So we, we really work on that and we work on, um, you know, the process of, what, what science is and what science looks like, which is obviously so important in, in today's world, right? As science is yes. being, is just in being looked at and frowned upon and in such, it's so denied and it's just so frustrating. So yeah, the it's word, been a, The word is scoff. Yeah. <laughs> scoff. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of that. And, um, and just, you know, really, you know, I, I realized I didn't have forever left in teaching. So I wanted to, to do what I could do, um, you know, to help other teachers grow and find and find the happiness and purpose that I did, because mm-hmm. then you're then you're really making a real impact. Like you can teach in a classroom, and if you you reach one kid, that's cool. But if you teach twenty teachers and each one of them reaches a kid, then that's a, you know an even greater impact. And so that's really been my purpose there, um, away from on that. And so I haven't really read a bunch of fiction stuff. I have gone back, um, I guess, and read when my mom passed away. Uh, we, we, she le- had left a huge collection of, of books and uh, my daughters and I went through them all and, and took one, one, of the, one of the collections we took were all her Stephen King things. 
Um, and so we've been trying to pick through those. So I've read like, actually read it and started reading The Shining. Um, but yeah, that, and that's been it. I know, and it's funny, like, I think I've gone through periods and certainly everyone does gone through periods in my life where I just read different stuff. I like, if I, if I really think about like out in the, out in the storage out here, I have this, I have like two whole boxes of books of all the Anne Rice, uh, Mayfair witches and the vampire books. Have you ever read any of those? No, I'm not an Anne Rice. I think maybe I had to read one for school. Mm -hmm. Um, Anne Rice was, uh, not, not Frankenstein, right? Like it's, it's, some, what, who, what did she write? She I did like an interview with a vampire. Right, oh, sorry, yep. sorry, yep, uh-huh. So and I read that when I was young. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, at some point in my life, I picked up, and I don't even know where I even got the first book, but I picked up the first one of her witch, witch's books. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is crazy. And I got into it, and mm-hmm. I think I was it was right after college, and I read, and I read everything that she wrote because it was this mixture of like, the horror stuff, which I was always attracted to as a kid. And then like all this history, this rich history that she would add in. So like if they were in New Orleans, she would, she would detail the history so much that you actually could, you you know, felt like you could feel it or she was in Europe. That's right. And now I look at them and I've tried to pick them back up and reread them again. And the interest isn't there. Um, So, you know, I think that happens to everybody though. You just kind of, as you, as you move through things, I think a lot of the stuff you read is, is, um, you know, dependent on what your life experiences have been, and, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes that changes. Yeah, I remember the, when you said the the details about New Orleans. Um, I think that I read her book. I did not remember that, but I do remember the first time of me going to New Orleans that she must have had a very very strong influence because. I swear I was worried that we might see vampires. (laughs) Yeah. I swear, I swear, my wife would tell you. And then my wife's a vampire head. She loves vampires, so she wanted to look. And and just that whole thing was still in the back of my mind. So it's amazing how I definitely, I love Interview with a Vampire, but I didn't even remember it was an Anne Rice book. But the details still influenced my life and when I went to a place because the details were so so vivid you know that's that's dope and then um, that's her so comic book wise you know you just caught up to everything so you kind of gave me that answer but you know out of what you've been reading from the x-men um what what store what part of the story uh do you think has had the most impact on you right now like out of everything that you've read during um the covid pandemic i think the and i'm I'm trying to think of where it started um but i think it was it would have been yost that wrote it um Mm. and and i think craig kyle christopher yost and brew baker when they started with like all the the messiah complex the messiah war Mm. and all that stuff that that ran through um all to Hope Summers. And I think where it went after that, I didn't enjoy quite so much, but mm-hmm. I loved, I love those books. I loved the relationship with Cable and Bishop. Um, that was kind of the back and forth. And I loved all the fighting with the X-Men. And I, I thought all that infighting was probably long overdue, right? Like you just had so yeah. many disparate personalities and, and there was no way they were always going to 
continue to be buddies. And they, and they did hint at it a lot. Um, you know, Psych and Wolverine were always at each other's throats, but I really liked where all that stuff went. And then I think it, afterwards, um, like Avengers versus X-Men and, and all the stuff that happened with Hope after that didn't catch my attention so much. But yeah, that that whole run, um, and I don't know how many years it probably was three to five years where they where they were building all that stuff up. I thought that stuff was great. That's dope. So then, okay, so yeah, I think it had to do with Professor X's the change of Professor X's uh, character, and um, I guess I mean just leadership. You know, leadership changed a lot mm-hmm. through, throughout the X Men, and they needed to. I don't know. X-Men has always had this problem with keeping the story. You know, it I mean from the first one, then then they had to change it, then it was uh, a whole new team. And then even in the whole new team, it you know, they still had the X-Men classic uh comic book that had to come out to keep those stories coming back because they it's almost like they never they 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 just started to find a vector and meaning like a direction of energy that is okay we're going this way and we're sure we're going this way for the foreseeable future before that it was always some it was just madness yeah it was just it was madness which is what i liked about the X-Men, but it was hard for me to really, really stay an X-Men, you know, like an X-Men reader. Like, I would love the characters, but, you know, I would just buy comic, I would buy comic books to just hold on to them. I was always that kind of person. I wouldn't always read it. I would buy it, put it to the side, and then I'm going to come back and read those, but at least I know I got them. And that's what I did with a lot of X-Men books, because it just, it, it just wasn't, um, I couldn't I couldn't grasp it on a consistent basis. It was too much going on. And you know, yeah, whatever. So I think, uh, I think that's a hundred percent true about them. And I think like even as a kid, I, I think I recognized that where I would say, man, this like three to four issues in a row where they like they focused on the, the, you know, three or four issues where they were fighting the brood or whatever, like, man, that was awesome. Right. And then you'd hit a couple hit a couple that were just like speed bumps that, that didn't really didn't really hit, you know, and so Yeah. And I think you're right, though. That's where that, when they got to that Messiah complex, Messiah War stuff, that was like a three to five year run where everything was headed in the same direction. And that was, maybe that's why I did enjoy it so much. I hadn't thought that way about it until you said it, but I think that might that might be it. Yeah. So here, here we go. We're, we're, we're at this question that I really, really have been wanting to ask you and wanting you to to define this for me and for our community as far as, you know, the comic book community. Um, What in the world is a scooper, man? (laughs) Like the name itself, I, I have a, I have issues with the name. I have issues with the identity that it seems that a lot of people uh, take on with being a scooper and it's like short of being a journalist but almost being like a cyber detective and I can't you know I just want you to please explain to the people um 
what is a scooper? And in being a scooper, like, what are some of the biggest scoops that you've had to propel your career as a scooper? Yeah, it's, it's funny because going all the way back to when I was at MCU Exchange, which is where I met Charles Villanueva, who I still work with and just mm-hmm. love to death. Shout out, Charles. Shout out, Charles. Good yeah, so for all you guys, if you, if you don't know Charles, you don't follow Charles, I don't know how much of what is going on right now would be happening without Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been super consistent. Um, whereas I, I hit like all these highs and lows depending on what's going on at work or what's going on with my kids. Um, and so Charles has always been super consistent with things and always helped out when I'm too busy, he takes over. And so mm-hmm. he really makes things run very, very smoothly. Um, but he and I dating all the way back to those, to the MCU exchange days, when we first started getting like, you know, the information that other people weren't privy to, we always argued about um, how we would, how we would headline it, how we would title it. and neither one of us ever really liked the idea of putting scoop or putting exclusive um, because it just seemed like attention getting behavior. But then we realized that that's exactly what it needed to be because otherwise people weren't reading the stories. Um, And so, so going all the way back to that, we've had, we've had like this really hard time with the, with the nomenclature of it and saying like, Oh, what are we going to call this an exclusive scoop? And even just the other day when I ran the WandaVision news, <clears throat> I said, like, just run it. People will read it. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know they won't. <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So so we threw scoop on that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think your point about the being a cyber detective is is actually pretty spot on. And if you ever talk to um, another one of the people that's one of the partners at the site with me in, in Lizzie Hill um, that's where that's where she adds so much to our site and, and that's the stuff that that's where I had to start when I when I first started um, trying to, to do more than just the stuff that I had originally set out to do um, and I, I can tell you like I don't remember when it was but the guy that that really got me hooked on this and, and made me think that this was a thing was uh, Umberto Gonzalez, uh, so El Mayimbe, right? Like that, he, he was the guy that I was like, man, this is so cool. And I remember being like frustrated. Uh, and I know the fans get frustrated too with me. I was like, man, if I knew this stuff, I would just tell people. And, and so and so for, a long, for the longest time when I first started doing this, that's exactly what I did. I would find stuff and I would just share it. And then, and then it got, we got, we got busted at MCU Exchange by Scott Derrickson. Um, we had, oh, wow. we had a big scoop on Dr. Strange. It was about Kaecilius. It was, it was the whole connection to Dormammu and the, in the dark dimension and everything. And mm. we were ready to roll. We were ready to run it. And, um, the guy that was running the MCU exchange at the time sent it out to like, he got a hold of Derrickson somehow and sent it to him. And Scott was like, I really need you not to run that. He's like, you will spoil the movie for everybody. Wow. Um, and it, and it became, and that that was a big shift. Like when we talk about like, how did we get from where we started to where we are now? That was the big shift for, for us, I think was, okay, so are enough people paying attention now that if we put this out there, that we're literally spoiling the movie for everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I don't, I don't, I know I don't care about being spoiled. Charles is a little bit sensitive depending on what it is. Um, right. But yeah, and I think, so I think it, it's a lot of stuff. It's. It's being a scooper is doing a ton of detective work. 
it's talking to a bunch of people. Like I, I am so scared when I run a story that I haven't, if I haven't confirmed it with a second source, a second source, I get so terrified uh, right. of being wrong and looking like an idiot. And and the last thing I ever want to do is like intentionally spread misinformation. That's right. That is just that's so scary to me. And so that'd be like losing for you. Oh, it would be the worst. I would yeah. I would feel like a complete idiot, and it would last for a, a, quite a while. Right. Right. So you know, it's it's all those things that that go together and. And I think, like I said in the opening, I've just gotten really, really lucky. Um, and I can tell you, like, when it, I guess when it got going for us um, at the MCU Exchange, uh, a guy who a lot of people will know, Joe Deckelmeyer, he worked at the hashtag, that hashtag show, and now he has his own site called The Illuminerdy. He and I had a really close working relationship at, when he was at that hashtag show and I was at MCU Exchange. And I, I guess the way that it got started was Joe was getting a lot of information on casting breakdowns for uh, the Marvel, the Marvel Netflix shows, mm-hmm. and and I and this might this may or may not be interesting. I'll, I'll try to get it the the shortest route that I can take. To no, the don't end. worry about it. I can edit this and I can do all kind. Of, it's interesting. Trust me, it's interesting. And uh, and it's historical too. Watch, you'll see. Because you got to remember, like, we're at the precipice of storytelling changing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And because of that, the way that people are going to take in information and look at all of this entertainment is going to change. So because of that, because of the zeitgeist that we're in, everybody's going to want to look back and figure out how did it happen. And it's stories like yours that I feel, you know, at, at least for us in the comic book community that mm-hmm. are going to be that important. So have no fear. You you are on, you, this story is important. And, and I, I do know that what this, this story I'm gonna tell you is responsible for a change in the way mm-hmm. that they, the studios even operate. Wow. Um, so, so I guess what, what happened was Joe would get all these um, basically character breakdowns and they were always coded. Uh, so it would have like a character's name and then a description, but it was never the actual character that they were going to play. It was just some, some made up name. Um, and I had never seen these things before. And I think at the time, I think it was pretty rare for anyone to see them outside of studios. Um, and so we would sit down, Charles and I would sit down and break through them and a couple of the other people that we worked with at MCU Exchange. And after the, I don't know, after 10 minutes of looking at the first page, it was super obvious that at the time what Marvel Studios was doing was they would, let's say the character was gonna be Frank Castle, well, they would just name him Fred, right? Like it was it was gonna be, the, the, the name was gonna start with the same letter um, as the character, but they just picked a different name. And so I wanna say the first, the first one that we did that we really nailed was Jessica Jones season two, um, to the point where I even, I said like, all right, this is this guy, this doctor that they're talking about, this is Dr. Carl Malice, who ended up being the doctor in there. And we we nailed a good chunk of those. And then it was Iron Fist, and then it was Daredevil. Um, and I remember, I remember actually with a Daredevil thing with season, would have been season three, one of the, 
one of the bigger scoops that we had at the MCU exchange, or maybe, yeah, I think it was at MCU exchange still, was that, w- that Wilson Bethel was going to play Bullseye. Because in the casting mm. breakdowns, he was an FBI agent. And mm. everybody just left it at that. And I put a bunch of stuff together. And like you said, it is a lot of detective work. Um, mm-hmm. I put quite a few things together and was able to then get confirmed that he was playing Bullseye. Um, and so that those kind of those things kind of started there. And then I moved from the MCU exchange over to that hashtag show where I worked with Joe. The the biggest one um, that I and then Joe would tell you if you ever talked to Joe, we had some information on Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay. And one of the characters, and I can't even remember what the what it was, but what had happened is they they started like reducing the amount of information in the casting breakdowns and the character grids because we at MCU Exchange were nailing them time after time after time. So <laughs> they started changing. They they put very little information in, and they even started they even stopped naming them because we were you know onto their onto their naming scheme, which wasn't very hard to get onto. Right. Um, but then we get the Ant Man and the Wasp one, and it says. <laughs> and Joe, Joe to this day still like brings this up and laughs at me for it. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp, male lead number two, African American, intelligent. And Joe's, I'm on the phone with Joe. I'm driving uh, down by Detroit, and I'm driving, and he goes, "Yeah, so we got this, and it says African American, intelligent." I'm like, "Well, it's Bill Foster." Yeah, gotta be. <laughs> he goes, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, how do you know?" I said, "Well, it's Ant Man," and I and I asked him. It did have an age range on the breakdown. Said it's Ant Man. Yeah. He's the same age. He's supposed to be the same age as Michael Douglas's character. I said absolutely. It's Bill Foster. It's got to be. Yeah. See, this is uh, not to cut you off, but this is why I don't care about spoiling movies. And then I'm not saying I understand that there's some people that care, but when you are a comic book head and you spent over 20 years, I mean over 30 for me and you, reading comic books. This is this is our culture. This is our life. It's never, the movies are never going to be better than the comic books. So why would I care about spoiling the movie? Because I have the comic books to always go back to. So I have to remember that. So because the people that don't read the books, the movie is everything. But that's the reason why, you know, a lot of us comic book heads don't really care, you know, because in the end, you're never going to get it as good as the comic book. But I hear you. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, no, that's fine. That's that's amazing. This is an amazing story. And and the other things that are are so cool about that is is if you're in in my shoes or your shoes and you see one of those things and then you realize that Bill Foster is going to be in the movie, your brain right. just goes on fire, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. god, how cool is this? What can he do? Like, what are they? What's the storyline going to be? How are they going to exactly. use it? Exactly. And you just your mind just runs wild. So yes, you know, and and, I, and that gives you even more life. That, that oh, excites yeah. you, you know what that, I'm saying? Because the imagination and the possibilities are endless. Well, because every time I find out something like that, what do I do? I either go to one of my boxes of comics in the basement or hop on Marvel Unlimited and start reading and start trying to figure out storylines that they're going to put into the film. That's right, that's right. And, and that's just such a, that's that's a very, very fun part of it for me. And it's almost like a reward yes. to me, right? Like Yes, we are alike in that. Uh, I yes. love it. Yes. So, so um, this propelled you, like the scoops, the scoops that propelled you to the point that you you stated are are definitely of legend. And there's there's one scoop in in doing res- as much research as I can do on a ghost because you are a ghost. <laughs> but um, was the Black Panther two scoop? 
And I'm not sure if you take credit for that um, or if somebody actually had the story first. But when I look up, you know, your work, the Black Panther's two scoop, I, I believe, of it either being Namor possibly being it or is it Dr. Doom? I, I don't remember. But something of that seems to be like a really big deal with your name attached to it. Yeah, that one, I think this this is an interesting thing too because this is when I, when I started the site, um, this, this new site, Murphy's Multiverse, I was, I was really aware of, like, like I just mentioned a little while ago, like I don't want to put misinformation out there, but I mm -hmm. also know that I get a lot of stuff that passes through my inbox or my phone or whatever, right? Like I get so many people send me so much stuff. And I, I remember thinking at the time, like wow, some of this stuff is super interesting and I can't. And so, like I said, I always get really nervous if I can't confirm it with a second source. Mm -hmm. And so like that Dr. Doom in, um, in Black Panther 2 thing came my way. And, and I thought, and, I, and it, I think it actually came with a couple of, two or three other tidbits at the same time. And I remember talking to Charles, I was like, I wanna share this stuff with people, but I don't, it's not a scoop, it's not an exclusive because I can't confirm that it's actually true. But right. it, it, the, the conversation we had was like, how excited will people be just to read this, that this is a possibility, right? Like this, and, and that it isn't just a made up thing, that it's something, it's something that somebody told me and, and I know the person who told me believed that it was true at the time they told me. I said, so I have to come up with a way that I can share some of this stuff with fans to get them mm -hmm. excited, but so that they know that it's not, it's not set in stone, that it's not even something I can I can tell you for sure is gonna happen. So that's where we kind of came up with the, the what I heard this week, um, little right. little features that we did on, that we still do on the site when we get them. It's just been mm -hmm. so long since we've heard anything. Anything, uh, right. Yeah, it's been, it's been rough. And so that Dr. Doom one was one of those what I heard this week things. And I've not heard anything about it again. And you know, with everything getting pushed so far down the line, who knows what, when we'll hear again, but but it's not to say that things that come across that way don't end up being true because one of the one of the things that I wrote in you know, a what I heard this week uh, was which again I write those when I can't confirm the things with the second source. One of those things was that Peyton Reed was going to direct episodes of Mandalorian season two, which he confirmed himself a couple months right. after I wrote that. That's right. So you know right. sometimes those things do come true, mm -hmm. um, but it, th those are. Those are the things that I say like, yeah, I, I can't I can't tell you with 100% certainty that this is gonna happen, but I really think it's cool. And that's, you know, going back to like I said, um, when I would listen to Umberto talk and I'd be like, man, if I knew this stuff, I would just tell people. That's <laughs> that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like these are ideas that are floating around and I think people would be excited about them if, if they knew. So I want I want people to to have some access to that information that they otherwise wouldn't. And I, I, had, I, I had to learn to be careful Right. Um, I had to learn to be careful around the time that we were getting all the information about Infinity War and we got the info mm. like we way before anything happened we had like details on how Loki was going to die and how it was going to be uh, you know in the first 10-15 minutes of the movie and the whole point of it was so that to set wow. Thanos up as a badass and I was like Charles we got to run this he's like dude you can't run that He's like, you'll spoil the movie for everybody. And I was that's like, why it's good to have Charles there. Oh, it yeah. Balances you out. Oh, absolutely. You know. that's, that's amazing. Uh, so, you got, so how do you feel about those pitfalls of being a scooper? Like, the intention is great. I hear your intention. And as somebody that loves the, 
the source material over everything. I love the fact that, you know, when you share something, I can, you know, give it 75 to 80%, um, you know, credibility, like this is actually gonna happen. Even though I know nothing's set in stone until the end. I, I come from an entertainment background, so I, nothing is ever done until right. it's done. So, I, you know, I, how can you get mad? But you have these pitfalls in being a scooper where, you know, there are these people who ironically don't like showing their face either, but for different reasons, because they're so malicious and they're just so sensitive and so angry about these, what I would consider trivial things, especially during a pandemic where people are dying. Right. And, you know, but they, they hold on to these nuggets of, of hope that this, this scoop is going to be true. And then when it, it doesn't happen or, you know, even though your track record from what I've, since I've been following you has been more or less spot on. I haven't seen, you know, maybe you've been wrong maybe once or twice flat out. And we're talking about a lot of different, you know, nuggets. So, you know, when it doesn't happen, somebody's like trying to, uh, I mean, not even when something doesn't happen, all you have to do is say something against somebody else's theory and they're almost ready to kill you. Yep. You know, like, have you had death threats behind this type of stuff? Yeah, I've had, I've had a couple DMs that were, that were that kind of like along the lines of, you know, you, you did this, you said this, I, I hate you, I'll find you and kill you. I had a guy tell me he was gonna snipe me. He was, I'm gonna find you in the phone book and I'm gonna find where you live and I'm gonna snipe you in your house. I had people, I've had people threaten my family and my kids. Um, mm -hmm. Just, and it's just completely out of control and ridiculous. And, and that's, you know, people yeah, get this is This is entertainment and you're not even, uh, not saying that it's valid, you know, on for actors, you know, to to have these type of fanatics, but you know, these type there's this there's this undercurrent of of narcissism and and uh, I guess you could say psych psychopathy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? That is prevalent in the community, and you're just a guy, like you say, trying to do something good for people and share some of your passion about something you love. So how do you deal with that? I mean, besides obviously you're not liking to be on camera and people know what you look like, how do you deal with the the crazies and the, um, you know, the pitfalls from the entertainment industry? Um, you know, when you, you're telling them, when you're telling something that they may not want you to share yet. I think that, I think this is a, a lifelong struggle for me because we talked. I talked earlier about like how how I don't handle failure well and how I've always kind of fought with that. And so and when I and I and I started teaching, um, and I would get you know I give a test and let's say I got 30 kids in a classroom and 27 of them nailed the test and three of them did poorly. I would focus on the three kids who did poorly and and what that meant about how did that reflect on me as a teacher? If there's three kids who aren't getting this and well, I'm not doing my job and I need to do a better job. Um, and now I think the same thing applies here where there's so much positivity. Um, like if, if I go to my Twitter feed and I've got like my, my whole, this huge group of Wanda stands that are, they just, they're so great to me and they're so supportive, you know, but I, and I might get 
uh, like a, a dick balls every now and then who just comes out and attacks me <laughs> and just goes nuts, right? Oh, yeah, I got to stop again. Okay, you, nobody's going to know this, and there are going to be children that, that listen to this. So yeah. let me just, let me, let me preface this with, um, so lately there's been a, there's been a, Charles has a, a stalker, a cyber yeah. stalker on Twitter who continually seems to change their their Twitter page. But the last one that stuck seems to be dick balls, whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah, a bunch of numbers. And instead of blocking, which is what I would automatically do, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I just automatically would block you. It wouldn't even take me that long. I had one guy threaten me on Twitter and after that, it was like, I, I mean, I laughed at it, but in the end, I'm just not, I, you know, I come from Harlem, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm not a, I come from Harlem in the 80s. So, <laughs> you know, we, we don't get down like that. But yeah. <laughs> with, um, you know, as far as like, instead of blocking them, Charles just started making fun of it and having fun with it to the point now, Dick Balls is the, is the uh, imaginary, uh, devil on his shoulder. But <laughs> better, you know. So, um, everybody that follows Charles knows who Dick Balls is. That's, I just, I just wanted to say that so nobody else. Yeah. Think, and he yeah, goes yeah. into every poll that I do. I find a way to, to work him into every poll that I put online now. <laughs> Hilarious. I, you know, I <laughs> guess, I guess, um, I ha I've had to learn like to like i said there's so much positivity I, you know you're gonna get a guy like that or even if you get five or six guys like that yeah I, I can't take it to heart and i try to make fun of it and i try to mock it and and i guess it not not even the person but the behavior right like i don't know these people i'm not making fun of these people but the behavior is so absurd right. and and if you if you read some of those things that that guy said in those tweets they're they're ridiculous and obviously like english is not his first language you can tell that right away and so even just the syntax and him him stringing together the sentences just killed me. I was like, oh my god, this guy's great. I, I think, I think, I, and I haven't heard from him in a while. I don't know if he finally just gave up or if he changed it to something else. But god yeah, so he I, probably got arrested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he was something else. So yeah, I think it's just been a process of like, just just learning like to to embrace the people who are positive about it and. Right. Uh, and there are a ton of great people that are out there and, and, and you know, we've met. And uh, like, you know this, I don't think everybody would, but um, as part of the Patreon, I finally got convinced by some of the really, we have some great people in that in that Patreon and they finally convinced me to start a Discord server. Um, right. And I was, I was hesitant to do that because I don't know anything about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I still don't, but I, I was like, all right, we'll do it. And if you, if you go in there and you check out what's going on in there, it's mm -hmm. such a, it's such a nice, look at what the community can really be like when people choose oh, to still, be positive you know it's it's yeah. just like all these people who now have this place where they can feel free to talk about what they want without that negativity that you get on twitter or reddit or any place else it's been okay. it's been really cool and i i think i know that a lot of the, the people in there are appreciating it but i i go in there and sometimes i just read and i don't respond and i'm like man these people are having a blast because they know that nobody's going to come in here and ruffle their feathers, right? They're just going to be able right. to talk about stuff, and that's really nice. Oh, that's amazing! I'm definitely part of that tier, and I, I you know, I, I support whatever you do, man. You know, you wrote this uh, amazing, um, you know, fantasy fiction article, uh, four-part 
article about Nova. Yeah. And, you know, I had a completely different idea of how I would want Nova to come yep. to be. But because you took the time to actually put it out there for us to see, you know, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll ride with you. You know what I mean? Like, whatever I can do to support somebody with that much talent and that much vision, you know, I'm just that type of person. I guess I'm like you in the sense of not necessarily I'm a fixer, but I just want to help people and I just want to inspire people. And I'm all about positive energy. So, you know, it, it throws some people off because people are so used to the negative energy. Mm -hmm. But when you stay the course on something, you know, you're bound to get those results. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely riding with you and, uh, you know, the, the Murphy's multiverse, um, wherever it goes. But that, that actually is the question that I, I was going to ask you. We're, we're, you know, getting closer to the end of this. So I have like, you know, a few more questions to ask. But how did you get to say, you know what, we're going to do Mo uh, Murphy's Multiverse? Because you had, you know, the, the previous two sites mm -hmm. where you were working with other people and, you know, you moved on from them for whatever reason. What was it that was in you? And this is actually a two-part question because I really feel like this is connected to the next question, which is like, you know, everybody has their superpower. Everybody has a talent. Everybody, and it may not necessarily be a talent, but there's something inside you that is unique unto you that helps you to either find your purpose or exact your purpose or just get you through the challenges that life throws at you. And, you know, you said earlier how how rewarding it is for you to have, you know, uh, murphysmultiverse.com with Charles Villanueva. And I saw a, I saw a note in your Patreon where you said you finally are able to pay your writers. Yep. So that, so you got people working for you that have been working for you for free mm -hmm. because of the passion, because of the mission, because of the purpose, which in itself makes you a leader. Not just somebody that's just a hero, but you're, you're a hero that other people want to follow. What do you, you know, how did, how did you get to that space where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do my own. And what superpower, what talent, what inside you um, do you attribute to this success? Right. Um, I want to back up one second and say something, because it was something okay. you said that I think was really important. Um, okay. And it's, it's this, like, this idea of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And I think as I've gotten older, and we talked about that idea of positivity, and you said, you talked about helping people, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, a documentary that just came out with Danny Trejo called Inmate Number One. Have you seen this or, or heard about no, it? No, I didn't even hear about it. I'm writing it down now. And so if, if you guys, I think everyone knows who Danny Trejo is, but maybe you don't know the story. And uh, so so he was basically, a, even as a, as a kid, he was addicted to heroin and involved in just like, just the worst kind of life, right? And, and so now you look at him and, and he's, he's so recognizable, but he's so, he's, he's moved himself so far. And that's kind of what he talks about in it, um, is the evolution of himself and how he moved himself from where he was to where he is. 
And it comes down to like one simple thing and he says it, and if you even just watch the trailer and it's mm -hmm. super powerful, he says that every good thing that's ever happened to him came as a direct result of helping other people. Wow. Wow. And I think that that is like, wow. sums up, you know, where, where I am now, like in my, in my own life, um, you get older and things start to, to change and, and you, you stop focusing so much on you. And, and I, at least for me, I've start, you know, have learned to focus more on like, what, what is there that I can do to support other people and to help other people. And that's, I know that you're the same way and you, that's what yes. you're talking about when I, when I thought about that quote from Danny. And mm -hmm. I just think that's such a, such an important thing for us to look at, like, is at some point, that's all that's going to be left for, I mean, I have children and, and they're going to, they're going to grow up and be more successful than I ever was. But at some point, that's what you leave behind is your legacy of helping others. Mm -hmm. That's, that's amazing. Uh, so, um, uh, I know I gave you a lot of questions there. Yeah, First, no, Jan Danny, Danny Trejo, um, if, if you don't know, is an actor. He is um, in one of my all-time favorite movies, Dust to Dawn. Yep, that's a great um, one. So uh, with uh, Selma Hayek and um, my boy, gosh, why can't I think of his name right now? Everybody loves this guy. What's the, what's the... Uh, oh, Clooney's the lead in that. Clooney, Clooney yeah. and... and um, the director. I can't. Oh, Taran, Robert Rodriguez directed that one. Right. And Quentin Tarantino's in it and wrote it. Right. So Quentin Tarantino. So uh, Danny Trejo is one of the, um, I guess you could call them gangsters that turns into yeah. um, a vampire. And he's been in a lot of other movies too. He's been in Desperado. I'm trying to think uh, what else has he been in? But anyway, he, he's, you, you guys can look him up. He's definitely um, a great actor. He's a great actor. Um, so, you, so helping people and making something of your own is, is what pushed you into Murphy's Multiverse because you're already doing the work anyway. If I trace it all the way back to the beginning, and I think it's kind of funny how it started. Um, I mentioned that I had gotten into reading like all the cosmic stuff when I came back, so Annihilation, and then mm -hmm. I got into the into the Guardians, the Dan Abnett and Andy Landing Guardians, and the Nova series. Um, and it wasn't too long after that that um, the movie was announced. They're going to do the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and so my. I was dating my wife at the time and she had no context for any of this stuff, right? Like she had not read any comics. She had not even seen some of the, some of the movies yet. I think we had, we had gone to see Avengers together um, and maybe a couple of the other ones, but she doesn't, and a lot of people didn't at the time have any idea who these guardians were. So it, this, my, my online presence at all began with like my, me sitting down with my, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and explaining to her who the Guardians of the Galaxy were and why they were going to be awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And and I remember her saying something along the lines of like, well, you should, there's probably a lot of people who don't know who they are. Like, you should probably put some of that online and people can read about it. <laughs> and, so, and so that's that's really kind of how it started, was me wow. just sharing knowledge um, with other people. And sure, you could look it up on Wikipedia or you could look it up wherever, but it's just, you know, I, I, felt, I felt like 
I was going to share not just my knowledge, but like my impression of how the movies could go and what they, what cool things they could do um, if they wanted to use these characters well. Um, then I got to, I got picked up at MCU Exchange and then moved over to Hashtag Show. And to be honest, for a while, I, I walked away from it, not from any sense of like anything other than just being so busy um, with school and with my kids and with and my wife that I was just like, man, I, I have a really hard time. Um, and I felt guilty because working for working for other people and I sometimes couldn't get stuff written that I was supposed to write and I couldn't get stuff done on time. And I just felt right. guilty that I was letting them down, right? That I wasn't I wasn't producing the content as fast as I was supposed to because I would, I mean, sometimes my youngest daughter plays softball. So sometimes we'll take off on a Thursday and not get home till late Sunday night. And then I'm exhausted the whole next day and, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like writing. And then I'm like, wow, I'm a week behind now. So yeah. I kind of, I kind of walked away from it for a while and I just kept my Twitter account really active and, and I would share little scoops and stuff through there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, the whole Murphy's multiverse thing, I was sitting, uh, in my classroom one day in November, I think maybe. And I was like, I'm going to start a website today. And I opened it up and I started one. And just uh, like that. Yep. I just, I, I knew that I missed it. I knew that I, I was missing something. And I, mm. I knew, I, and I can, I can remember having conversations with Charles. I was like, I just miss writing. Like I miss mm. being able to, to write stuff and have, and I don't even care if people read it. Like I, I miss being able to write stuff and get my thoughts out. Um, mm. And I knew I would have some stuff to share. And I, and I knew that that was, you know, maybe I didn't have any sense of how much it was going to be, but I knew I'd have some stuff to share. But even I remember the first couple of things I wrote, people were like, well, this isn't a scoop. And I said, I know it's not. This is not I'm not starting this website for solely for scoops. And I said, if you guys don't appreciate the fact that I'm going to have stuff to say that isn't a scoop, then maybe you can, you know, find someone else to follow. Right. Um, you know, but I, I always knew that I was going to want Charles along for the ride. We'd been doing the podcast and it took some convincing um, on my part to get him to come over and start writing stuff. But I know Charles has. So, so Charles is uh, is he, he reads. He reads a ton. He doesn't keep up um, as they're current, but he does a ton of back reading. And Charles is so, so smart and he has so many great ideas. And, it, yes. and Charles is Charles is a great writer. So Charles is uh, Charles lives in the Philippines and English is his second language. But if you read his stuff, you'd never know. He yeah. is, he is an excellent writer and he has so much to offer. Um, and then, uh, so then I guess Lizzie had been following me on Twitter and we had a lot of DM conversations. And I, I remember even a couple times I offered her, I was like, Hey, if you want to come on board and write, um, go ahead. And she's like, no, I think I'm fine. Just sharing stuff with you. And if you just credit me with it, that's fine. And I said, Shout yeah, out Lizzie Hills, the Miss, Miss Diva. <laughs> she, she does, she does so much work. Amazing. Like, she's amazing. I, yeah, she's awesome. You know, and I kept yeah. pushing on her and I said, look, there's no expectation. And I told her, I was like, I'm not paying you. I just, I think that you have, you have stuff to say and I want you to have a voice. Like I want you to be able to say it instead of me saying it. So I want you to, to write. And she was, she wasn't sure. And she wasn't sure. And she finally, um, you know, agreed to do some stuff. And I, and I think part of, part of what I want to do with the site, and this is why I have had guest features in the past is I want to give people a voice who maybe don't have it. I want them mm-hmm. to, to know that there's that there's a place for them. And maybe, you know, in some cases when they find that voice, maybe it changes their life. Maybe they find an outlet that they didn't know that they needed. Right. Um, but then, like you said, it's been, people have been really, really supportive, um, both on Patreon and then just by visiting the site. And, I, and to be honest with you, it, it felt really, really good to be able to pay Charles and Lizzie for their work. Um, because I, I think it was. I think that's, 
you know, I, I worked for tons of tons and tons of articles that I wrote. I worked for free. I never I never got a penny. Um, and, and I, I was fine with it, right? But I, I also know that when you show, you know, and I know that Charles and Lizzie know that I value their work before I paid them. But when you can really show them that their that their work does have a value, right. it, it feels good to them too. That's um, right. It's empowering. Yeah, it, and it yeah. and it, you know, you just have to. And I, I'm going to continue to 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 do that and take care of them because I know that I want them to know that they're taken care of too, right? Like I want them right. to understand that. And right. um, and just recently we brought on uh, JJ to, to cover our DC stuff, and JJ actually just graduated from high school. Uh, wow! Yep. And I'm and not familiar with him yet, but um, that's amazing. Yeah, he just does. He's been doing a lot of reviews for us, and he just does all the DC news. Um, I talked to him the other day, and I told him like, looking at how things are going, I'm going to be able to pay him next month as well. You know, kudos to you for that, man, because. You know, I know about this work. So, superpowers. What do you think? Give me, give me, give me one. What is it? What is the superpower? What is your superpower? How do you get through this life, bro? I I think, I guess if if people who actually knew me personally, um, and I know that it's not many. I think it's just the fact that I won't give up. I might walk away. Mm. I might get mm. frustrated and walk away, but I'll I won't give up. I'll always come back and I'll I'll keep digging through it. So I guess it's. I guess the ability to perseverate through any sort of circumstances has, right. has probably defined me for the last 10 to 15 years. Fire. Well, what was the, the most significant event in comic book history for you that you related to an actual event that's happened in, in real life? I, you know, I, I was thinking about this when I read these questions and the only, and I think it's, be, and I know you know this because I'm reading all the Grunewald stuff right now. Mm. It, like you can, it, it may not be a specific event, but if you read Grunewald stuff from the mid eighties, right, it, it could damn well be happening right now. Right, it is, it's, it's amazing. It is defining the way America is right now. Yes. Mark Grunewald actually is the writer for the stories that uh, it was called The Evolutionary War. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the origin of uh, High Evolutionary that, I forget the year that that came out, but they were in the back of all the annuals for that year, the majority of the annuals mm -hmm. for that year. So you have the X-Factor, X-Men, Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, uh, West Coast Avengers, Avengers, and the, the, the Punisher, uh, it, it goes on. And I didn't realize at the time who was writing it because I was more just so obsessed with the story that I didn't care who wrote it, I just wanted the story. But as time went on, I started looking, I'm like, oh, it's Mark Runwell. And then I was listening to Charles, I was listening to you, uh, one of your podcasts you, that you put out every week and you referred to a Captain America story and I think that's when I made the connection and I'm like oh this is the same dude yeah. and, and then and then it, you know so and I'm still working through all of it now I'm still like reading and catching up and remembering and stuff like that but um I, I'm which I, I didn't even realize I didn't even think you would say that, but 
I'm right there with you. I totally agree. He is a, someone everyone needs to to check out what he did. And I, the Evolutionary Wars, I, I don't know if it was all in 88, but that's when he was putting it in the back of those annuals. Yes, yes, it's 88. It and he was at, he was like at his peak at that point. Mm -hmm. He was amazing. Yeah, definitely one of the best writers that I've ever read. Um, so as a comic book fan, you already told me in the beginning, you're a Star Wars guy over Star yeah. Trek, but what kind of comic book fan are you in the sense like, are you a, a gods and monsters comic book fan, or are you a, the? I know you're in the cosmics. Like, which yeah. one? Which one is the the one for you? I I gotta I gotta think that as much as I enjoy um, you know the the idea of like the the team up Avengers and the and so the, like you're saying the gods and monsters on Earth thing, the mm -hmm. cosmic stuff, and even even when I go over and read DC, the cosmic stuff just catches my attention and thinking about just the all the myriad possibilities of what could actually be out there and seeing how people interpret, you know, like why did why did Superman have to just look like a human, right? Well, obviously, so he could come and fit in. Um, but when I, I, I just get so much more into the the aliens and the and what could be out there in the cosmos, and so I think like um, I'm definitely definitely focused in on that as far as like if I if you put if you put five comic books in front of me and I had to pick if I knew one of them was going to take me on some cosmic adventure and introduce me to new worlds and new planets. Um, and and that, honestly, that goes all the way back to being a kid and reading about the original Captain Marvel, who mm -hmm. you know, who obviously again just looked like a normal dude, but that mm -hmm. idea of there being like other, not even just other planets, but like the Kree Empire and the Skrull Empire, and, mm -hmm. and, and and you know, and, and the Shi'ar Empire. These things are those yeah. are fascinating to me. Um, you're also a toy collector. Um, what? Give me your your. <laughs> most prized I, I can't i know it's going to be more than one because you have this guy yo you guys this guy has a basement full yeah. of toys i have too much <laughs> it, it's it you it looks like he's been collecting since he was 10 and he never got rid of them that's, that's what it looks like that's about it i did at one point sell off a lot of my gi joes and he-man stuff from my Ooh. like at, at one point i had all that stuff too but what I still have sitting downstairs are uh, in my basement is all my Star Wars stuff um, mm. and my, uh, you know, all my my Marvel stuff. I have never been able to to part, and it just keeps growing because Marvel <laughs> occasionally puts out some really cool stuff. Um, They're getting better at it to me. Like, oh geez. my God, they have some great stuff, and I'm I'm having a hard time. Like, I don't even have room for it, much less money to buy it all. <laughs> so I have to I have to really be smart about it. <laughs> Uh, so, so give me your, your your most prized toy. Like, if you were in a conversation with another toy collector, like, what's the one that you like? Yeah, but I don't think you got one of these. So, um, like, I guess the the two things. I think the thing in my basement that I'm the most proud of, and this is a little bit different question, is I still have like my original Millennium Falcon from when I was a kid, and it's wow. and it's almost all intact, uh, and and it was it was beat up pretty bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it, it's still it's still all intact. But I think some of the stuff that I have in the in my Marvel collection that I, I really think is cool that I don't think a lot of people have. Um, I have like a 12 inch Frost Giant and uh, oh, okay. a 12 inch Skrull Ant Man um, from Secret Invasion. And, and I think Say that, word. I think those are really really cool. Um, That's dope. 
and I'm chasing one that is super hard to get. Um, they they have a a dragon man like a, mm. like a it's pretty it's not I don't know if it's about maybe like eight or ten inches it's not quite twelve but they're super hard to find and if you do find one they're super pricey but that's the one that I'm chasing and eventually I'm gonna get get one of those and then that will become <laughs> the conversation piece at that point. Nice, nice. Okay, so we're ready. The next we got word association. What I do here is I'm gonna throw a name out and. It doesn't have to make sense. It only is going to make sense to you, probably in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. But I want you to, I, I want you to give me a comic book character. That that's you know, you can only be a comic book character. I don't care if it's DC, Image, or Marvel or whatever. Okay, you ready? Yes. Because I'm going to be terrible at this, but let's do it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> just get just get into your comic book frame of mind. You yeah. are in. You are in Murphy's multiverse, right? Okay. Here we go. Isaiah Thomas. Oh man, Isaiah Thomas. Um, so I think of Isaiah Thomas. He was a leader that didn't that not everybody liked. So I'm gonna actually think of Isaiah Thomas and Cyclops. Okay. Like he got into fights with his own teammates, right? Like Bill Lambeer kicked the crap out of Isaiah and vice versa. <laughs> I love Isaiah Thomas. Al Kaline. Oh man, the legend. Um, my dad's favorite baseball player. So Al Kaline. <sighs> Gotta think. I'm trying. I'm trying to land on something like wise and old, and and someone who would always give everything he had to somebody else. I could do. You know what? Captain America. Okay. Totally makes sense. Totally. I think you nailed it. Uh, all right. Let's keep going. Mm, let's stay in the baseball field for right now, since we're there. One more baseball. Player. Yeah. Uh, Miguel Cabrera. Oh, Miggy. Um, wow. So Miggy is a great character guy. Everyone loves him, loves to party. So he's going to be like the most fun guy at everything he goes to. And every, he's just going to, everyone's going to just totally be drawn to him. So I, I think he's like so, super charismatic. So I'm going Luke Cage. Luke Cage, nice. nice. The charisma just to draw everybody's attention to him and to lead. I gotta throw you off now because I'm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kurt Cobain. Oof. <laughs> so I think of, if I think of Kurt Cobain, I think of like super talented and super, but also just super tragic. Mm. Um, this is such a weird one, but I think of like Quentin Quire, Kid Omega. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, left field. Kim Kardashian. Ooh. <laughs> Kim, Kim Kardashian. Um, wow. So I, I, I don't even want to tell you the rationale for why I'm doing this, but I'm going with Spider Woman, Jessica Drew. Okay. You don't I'll have, tell you after we get done recording. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> uh, back to Detroit, Eminem. Oh, Eminem. So I was trying to think of like, just a, he's so unique, right? Like when you hear him, you know, you don't even have to second guess, you know who you're listening to, you know right. it. So what's right. that most unique? Whew, that's a good one. Scanning my brain. It's all good. You know what? Wolverine. Okay. It's a little scrappy dude too, right? Like he always yeah. was. 
Yeah, not so scrappy in real life, but uh, no, he talks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, shout out him. Um, uh, Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ooh. Wow. Even though I love Flea, it seems like I wanna I wanna like associate him with a bad guy. Um, man, like I was, I'm going with Bullseye. I don't even know why that just pops right into my head. I'm going with Bullseye. Okay, in my head, I came up with Puck from Alpha. Oh Fire. yeah, yeah, because he's always all over the place. He's so <laughs> yeah. small, like jeez. Um, Tom Selleck. Oh my gosh, Tom Selleck should have been Batman. Wow. Wow. Okay. Get rid of the mustache, but I mean that should that was Bruce Wayne. Like his, he was like the real life Bruce Wayne. Right. I I I, I had a feeling you were gonna like that one. Uh, okay, I got like two more. My so, grandma was gonna marry Tom Selleck. She told me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because it's Michigan, man. Um, yeah, I gotta go with two two more Michigan. Barry Gordy. Whew. Man, just like the absolute godfather of all the Motown stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. So I, now I'm trying to think of someone who, so I, I want to say Charles Xavier, but I Charles Xavier wasn't always a good guy. But when you think about like the reach that Barry Gordy had and, and mm -hmm. the, how it expanded, like I think Charles Xavier started, he had the X-Men, but then you think about all those different teams that popped out of it. And then you think of like what Barry Gordy did and, and where it went. Like what? Right. There's so much music we wouldn't have right now if he didn't do what he did. Right. Yeah, it's, it's got to be Charles Xavier. I feel you on that one. Okay. Uh, Nicki Minaj. I know you know who she. Is. <laughs> yes, I, I do. Um, man, she's nuts too. She's so talented. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. So this is this is funny. Um, well, I'm thinking I'm going to tell you this. The my kids wanted to start watching The Masked Singer, and oh. and so we watched it while we're on quarantine, right? Mm -hmm. And and so like they would un they would take the heads off of of the singers, right? And my kids are both like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "Who is that? Mm -hmm. I have no idea who any of these people are because I <laughs> because I've missed mute. I've honestly like missed music for probably 15 years or more. I like wow. I don't know who that is. Wow. Or they sing this song. It's a country. I don't know. Oh, um, Nicki Minaj. I, Catwoman is coming to mind, and I can't get it Perfect. out of my mind, so it's got to be Catwoman. Yeah, I think you're on point with that one. And uh, last but not least, let's bring it back to sports. And even better, let's bring it back. I'm going to give you two, okay? Yep. And I want you to give me these two go together. So I want you to give me two that go together like that, okay? All right. Alan Trammell and Lou oh, Whitaker. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and that, so that's like right in my alley of my childhood, watching those two grow up. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so like just the inseparable, um, the, you know, you want to say the dynamic duo, but they're not Batman and Robin because they're, exactly. they're peers, right? They're peers that go along with each other. And right. they fed off each other and, and made each other better. Um, yeah. Wow, that's really good. So I would, huh, this is in my head, Green Lantern and Flash. Huh, okay, I'll accept it. 
Thank you very much for playing Word yeah. Association. <laughs> that was fun. Those are good. Okay, so we're, we're, these are the quick fire ones, man. Um, top five all-time comic book movies. Um, so I, I, I was thinking about this this morning, and I, I think, like, I have to have Richard Donner's Superman in there because I don't know if I would have, as a kid, you know, mm -hmm. could have never expected as when we were kids that things would get this good, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you can watch that movie still today, and it's still awesome. And I still really enjoy it. Um, and as different as Man of Steel is um, from from that, I think, like, the original Superman uh, still is one of my favorites, and I can still revisit and rewatch it. Um, and so I think that's got to be on there. I'm, I really did like the, I'm going to probably lump these two into one thing. I really did like the first two Nolan Batman films. Um, right even though a lot of times I felt like they were, um, especially the first one, it wasn't so much a Batman film as it was a Bruce Wayne film. And I like that aspect mm -hmm. of it. Um, and so I, I think those are, those are up there. And then for me, um, like I, I still, my favorite Marvel Studios movie is The Winter Soldier. Uh, I, every time I watch it, I, I still find it to be, it holds up well. And to me, it's like the turning point for everything that, that ended up coming down the road in the MCU. Um, and you can just link so many things back to it. So I think right. that one, that one's still in there. Uh, and it has to be in there. Um, yeah, that's my wife's favorite too. And, and it's, you know, when I watched it, I thought like, man, this is such a, a different film for the MCU. Like the action was so intense and it was, it was just going places that I didn't expect. Um, and then I guess, I think the next two are, are they're separate but related. So what, I think the most rewatchable MCU film for me and for my family is Thor Ragnarok. Uh, we, we watch it and just, and, and we enjoy it and laugh so much. And then I guess the, the next one after that, the last one that I think, I think Taika Waititi took a lot of influence from this movie to make Thor Ragnarok is Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon? Which is just such a cheesy, movie but it, it takes me back to being a kid and, and watching it and over and over and over again and it's just so dumb and cheesy but i i love it and we actually just bought it we found it for sale the other day and bought it and my kids have seen it now for the first time and they'd never seen it before and i was like oh man it's this is so bad but i love it so much that's crazy okay thank you for that flash gordon was one i didn't even, i that's never crossed my mind <laughs> and that's amazing so okay um hopes for the Hopes for Marvel's Phase Four and Phase Five. What are your hopes? Do you have any retcon wishes? Um, if you could do anything that you wanted with Phase Four and Phase Five, what would it be? That's basically what I'm trying to ask. I'm I'm really happy um, about a lot of the choices that are being made. Like I'm. I think people who have followed me on Twitter know how excited I am to see Shang Chi because that was one of the first books that I fell in love with when I was a kid too, outside of X-Men and, and Justice League. And uh, it was just such a such a great story. It's so pulpy and so, has so much to it. It's not, I think it's funny because it's probably not a book as a kid I appreciated as much as I do now. Um, but his journey and, and all the, the, like, the wandering. So I'm, I'm happy that they're doing that. I think that these Disney Plus series are super exciting. Um, yes. Because, because yeah, they're expanding the universe, but I don't think people are ready for how much they're going to expand the universe and how much they're going to deliver. I think people are 
are thinking of them. Um, and I, I think people do know that they're going to be good, but I don't think people are, are ready for the level that they're going to take it to with these series. Um, so I love that. And I think what's going to come from that is we're going to start to see, much like you do in the comics, um, little little pockets where we're going to have like this. This is like where our spy and espionage corner and this is our magic corner and this is our crazy time travel corner and this is our cosmic corner. And I think they're going to, you know, start to expand outwards like that, where instead of necessarily having to have huge crossover movies, you can have crossover projects that exist in those corners of those that, that they're carving out. So I think mm. that that's really, really exciting. Um, I obviously want to see, I, I want to see them go bigger with their cosmic stuff. Um, mm. It was cool that they brought all the cosmic threats to Earth, but I want... I want to see more stuff go on in space. I want to see Annihilation. I want to see I want to see Richard Ryder um, be that last man standing and and go through all the hell that he can go through to try to save the universe. Um, and then I guess the last two things I want to see is I want to see like a fully fleshed out Fantastic Four universe instead of the garbage that we've seen. Um, and then I want to see the X-Men um, done well and, and done the service that they need. Is there anything that's happened in the Infinity Saga that you would hope that Marvel fixes with the retcon? Yeah, the the thing that the one thing if I if I'm if I was to sit down and say I have to pick one thing that I want fixed, it's the treatment of the the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, mm. And I I don't know I don't know the way to retcon it necessarily, but. That doesn't mean that there isn't a way to do it, but I, I would, you know, I, I would love to see those characters portrayed as the, as they truly should be in the way they are in the comics. Um, like Starhawk is such an interesting character. We're still missing Vance Astro and some of these great characters, and I would love to see a way for them to become more like their comic book inspirations. What's next for Charles Murphy? Where where do you go from here? Um, I think I think we're patiently awaiting the return uh, uh, to a somewhat normal production schedule, um, and, and I think that's really going to help us out on the site. I, I would really like what I envision what the site should be like. I would like to have um, maybe two or three more writers that I could bring on and pay, and it, I, I just think, like, like I said, I want to continue to give people a chance to find their voice and, and people who don't, you know, aren't, aren't finding it. Um, maybe I'm just on Twitter or maybe don't have a chance to get it out there. I would, I would like to continue to find that. So I don't want to bring people in just to write news, right? I want to bring people in that have passion and have ideas and want to share them. Um, you know, like I, I had so much fun writing that Nova mm -hmm. series. I would like, I would like to find people who, who have that kind of passion that want to come out and do stuff like that. Um, I know we want to start expanding things and, and doing some YouTube stuff. And I talked to someone the other night about that and she's, um, I watched a couple of her videos and I just think she's, she's so, she's got good insight and, and she's so quick, uh, quick, I guess, quick witted and, and quick to like, you can see like her thinking on her feet. And I think mm -hmm. that she's really talented and I would like to, to start doing some stuff with her. And I know that that's kind of out of my area of expertise. So that's going to be something um, Charles is going to work on with her. But I think she's going to bring something really cool if we can if we can get her to uh, to come hang out with us and be a part of what we're doing here. And then 
uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm going back, uh, I'm going to be back in the classroom here in the fall, and I'm just hoping to, I don't think I have much of a choice, so I think I'm just hoping to to make it through through the yeah, three yeah. weeks or four weeks until school shut down again. That's that's weighing heavy on my mind right now, but I have to just trust that everything's going to be okay if I take uh, all the precautions I can. Yeah, well, we I, I applaud you, and I'm with you as far as being on front lines of this thing. And, um, you know, thank you for being with Everyone Loves a Good Story today. Um, you can definitely check out Charles Murphy um, on Twitter, at underscore Charles Murphy, or uh, Multiverse Murph, which is uh, M-U-R-P-H. And you can also go to his website, www.murphysmultiverse. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.